from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNY News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Successful engagement and leadership efforts share one thing in common. Both focus on the people, the individuals, their relationships, and their needs. I'm Jennifer Plager, Managing Editor with CUNA News. I recently spoke with Tony Boudet, CEO at University Federal Credit Union in Austin, Texas. He spoke about what an engaged workforce looks like, how University Federal keeps its staff engaged, the type of leader needed to lead a highly engaged organization, and more. What was your reaction when you found out that your credit union was honored with the Gallup 2022 Exceptional Workplace Award? And and what does that mean for the credit union? Well, we're always honored when we're acknowledged for uh, that that kind of work that perhaps has been observed by others, noticed, and they've seen the impact of having an engaged team. And so we're really proud of that. It's taken a lot of effort by many of us here. You're interviewing me uh, because I happen to be the CEO, but this is a group effort uh, by a leadership team that's put a lot of uh, time, resources into this, and just personal investment in creating an organization that's heavily engaged. And Tony, you said, you know, it's a group effort. So what does being a highly engaged workforce look like? Well, there's a lot of hugging that goes on. <laughs> it's, it, it's taken time, but it, it's an environment where I think people genuinely enjoy coming to work every day. Coming to work does not have to be drudgery. It can be something you actually look forward to. And I think that's primarily driven by the quality of people that you get to hang out with during the course of any given day. Highly collaborative Uh, A lot of uh, teamwork going on here across all sectors, and it's productive. You know, most of the decision-making we make is is made in a collaborative environment. Teamwork is critically important. It's one of the things that we interview for on the front end, making sure that we've got people that fit into an environment like this. In some cases, it can be detrimental in that uh, we may be too collaborative, maybe collaborative to a fault. And so sometimes decisions don't get made as quickly as we'd like for them to. But I, quite frankly, would rather err on that side and then have everybody come along for the ride after the decision's been made and, and we can move forward. That's that's generally what, what it, it looks like here. If you were to walk in, uh, well, I'll, I'll say this, you know, sometimes when I'm speaking to new employees, and I meet with all new employees in groups of maybe eight to nine, ten, when they first come into the organization, they, they always say that they have truly enjoyed their short time with us, but they kept the, they keep expecting the the other foot to to fall. It's like they, they can't believe the environment here is as positive and uplifting as they've encountered it in their short time with us. And our job is to make sure the other shoe doesn't fall. <laughs> and, and then it proves to be a, a way of doing business that will just put our big arms around them and welcome them in and help us do some good things for our members in our community. So you've mentioned, you know, what it looks like, what what a, an engaged workforce looks like. And you've touched on a few examples of kind of how you make sure that happens in terms of, you know, the interviewing process and that employee orientation part at the beginning where, you know, you welcome them in with open arms. What else does the credit union do to to keep staff engaged? I think a lot of it begins with our vision and mission statement because a few years ago, our board did something I think is unique and they they essentially turned the cooperative inside out and our focus tends to be external. Our, our vision is for a financially healthy community and then the mission focuses in on three sectors 
that we think are really conducive to creating a financially healthy community, uh, post-secondary education, middle skills employment, and then housing affordability in our community. And so when we go out and recruit, if you can find uh, talented financial professionals that love their community, that are passionate about building a better city, improving quality of life in our community, then when they join us, they've got something bigger that they're striving to accomplish through their professional work than simply getting their job done today on Monday. And as time passes, they can see the impact of what they do on human beings, on their community. And I think that that serves to lift them up and engage them and uh, make them feel as if they're doing something worthwhile with their professional work. And have your engagement efforts changed any in the last couple of years? Well, if you're referring to the pandemic, y yes. <laughs> you know, when, when all of us are locked up at home, uh, it takes a little bit different uh, approach to make that happen. You know, I've always been someone who's hated looking at my phone and talking to it, creating videos, but I found myself in my backyard uh, talking to my phone, creating videos a lot, as did our executive team. And so over the course of the last two years, uh, several times a week, uh, we would have videos maybe five to six minutes in length posted to the intranet internally trying to connect with people as best we could. Uh, couldn't see them, uh, you know, standing there in front of me in the office, but we could certainly connect that way. And I think that helped us uh, keep a level of engagement going that was critically important to us uh, during that, that time. And is that something you guys are still doing or have you cut back on them a little bit or stopped doing them? We still do it. We, we've cut back now. We don't do it as often, but but it's a beautiful way to connect with, uh, you know, all of us have flexible work situations where we have staff working from home. And so I think it's still important that we find ways to reach out to them and connect when we can't be right there in front of them. And what was the employee response? Oh, it's been beautiful. Uh, you know, many times during during the most dire times of the pandemic, uh, it was so important to to connect with them and not only lifted them up because I got so much feedback about that, but it lifted me up in in terms of that feedback when I'd get phone calls or emails and people would thank me just for taking time to do that kind of thing, which seemed so insignificant when I was doing it, but it, it was very significant in the way that it was received and connected with our employees at heart level. It sounds like a, a pretty small thing that you guys could do that that really made a big impact with within yeah. your organization and your employees. Talking about how well you guys are doing in terms of engagement at this point, do you do you see it, your efforts changing at all? Well, I'm I'm going to be retiring in about six months, <laughs> so there's going to be a new uh, CEO that comes in, and uh, hopefully, we'll take the organization to even you know bigger and better places down the road. I, I think, though, just based on the culture and the values that we have, uh, driven primarily by the importance of relationships, people here matter. You see that phrase on the wall, uh, relationships are all there is, and people matter. That phrase is part of the, the logo that we use. I, I don't think that's going to change. I, I hope that our board will bring someone in who will uh, align well and be congruent with that kind of approach to leadership. And so uh, I, I don't think what we're doing, that the foundation of what we have in place is going to change, although what they build on that foundation perhaps can, can markedly change and get, get even bigger than and better than what we've done up to this point. Maybe I should have asked this earlier, but how have your engagement efforts affected turnover? And I mean, are, are employees staying or are they, you know, kind of going for grass is greener on the other side of the road and for different opportunities? 
Well, I'm really happy to say that, you know, while I've read quite a bit about the great resignation, we've opted out of it. We simply have not seen that happen here. In fact, uh, I think year to date right now, our turnover is sitting at about 6%. We think that's going to edge up a little bit before year end. Usually August, September, we see a little bit of a rise there, but we think it'll be between 10 and 15% this year. And so we, we simply have not seen that. Now, it's the result of a lot of work that, that's been underway for many, many years, led by what I think is one of the, the, the prime of the primo uh, HR executives in the entire country. Uh, Rhonda Hall is just extraordinary in, in what she brings to us in the way of talent in that area and helping us manage, uh, especially in these crisis situations where we have a lot of opportunities to rethink what we're doing and uh, do things differently. And under her leadership, we've really been fortunate to keep our employees here and help us succeed. And Tony, you kind of touched on it before, but what kind of leader does it take to lead a highly engaged um, organization? And, and I know we can talk about leaders at various different levels of the organization, but specifically, what's the, the president slash CEO's role? Well, I can just tell you my story. There's, there's probably several answers to that question, but uh, my, my background is, is one of finance. I was the chief financial officer when I came in here, and I thought uh, at that time, as a relatively new executive, that numbers really tended to drive what we were doing, and I had to be taught uh, the hard way by the former CEO here that, no, numbers are important, and accounting and finance are critical to organizations such as ours. Uh, but really, it's people, it's relationships that really drive the organization's success. That's what this place is all about. And so he taught me that. He took me by the hand and opened up my eyes to that. And, and so, you know, the role of a CEO here certainly is set, work with the board to set the vision and the mission and set the direction of the organization. And then to bring other executives, other leaders in here uh, with values that, that are congruent with, that align well with those of the organization and they give them the resources that they need to accomplish the goals we set and then get out of the way and let them do what they're going to do. And uh, we're fortunate to have a great leadership team that's able to do exactly that. And looking at you yourself specifically, what what would you say your leadership style is? Well, it's rather trite to say, you know, I'm a servant leader, but that's what I strive to do. You know, when I come to work every day, I'm, I'm constantly asking myself, uh, how will I love my people today? What what do they need? And what, what can I give them? What can I provide them with? What environment can I put them in that'll be conducive to their achieving their professional aspirations and also help us achieve what we're setting out to do? I think that's a two-way street. And if you can somehow strike a a great balance there where you're meeting their needs. They're more than happy to meet the needs of the organization and you can do some great things together. In your opinion, what, what are the types of qualities that a person has to have to, to be an exceptional leader? Well, we have to be competent. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a job to do and, and everybody has a, has a competency that's expected of them in, in, in a role like that. But because in credit union work, you know, we're dealing with, with finances, people's money, they tend to be really sensitive about their money. We need people of integrity and strong ethics and character. We need people of, of highly relational, to have high relational skills. You know, again, so much of what we do is done collaboratively that uh, in our organization, if you, you could be the most gifted, competent people in a, person in a role, but if, if you don't have relational skills, you're not going to fit in here. It's just not going to work for you. And so we need people very strong there. 
leaders, we, we need people of high emotional intelligence. They they know how they impact people around them. They know their strengths, but they also know their weaknesses and things they need to be cautious about and maybe redirecting behavior that they might be inclined towards that would be unproductive, you know? Well, yeah, the other thing would be whether or not they're in the right place. You know, I think I think we have to know ourselves well as leaders. What, what are my values? What is important to me? And then when you look at the values of the organization, is, is there alignment? Is there any congruence between who I am and what the organization is requiring of a leader? Because if, if, if we're misaligned, the best thing I could do for that organization values-wise is to leave and let somebody else come into a role like this and, and really take the organization where it needs to go. And so I'm I'm constantly assessing that. And when, when, when new employees come in, I tell them that. We have a little bit of a discussion about my personal values. And I just open up and tell them who I am and then why I've been here as long as I have been. But I tell them, you know, if you go through a similar assessment and you discover that your values and those of this organization are misaligned, please don't stay here. Don't stay here. Uh, gracefully resign. Go find another employer where you and they are congruent where you could do some great work for them you know and feel proud of what you're doing but don't stay here if you're not supposed to be here and i think that's one of the things that's really been conducive to our succeeding in this area because i i don't know if anybody's left those meetings and and walked out hr and gracefully resigned but if they have it's a good thing it's a good thing for them and it's a good thing for us because i need 800 people who are here for the right reasons they want to be here to make some beautiful things happen for our members in our community and kind of a, a follow-up type question to that, Tony, you had mentioned earlier, you talked about, you know, some of the, the things that you had to do during the pandemic to keep your employees engaged, but has the definition of what it means to be a leader changed in recent years? No, I don't think so. I think what it means to be a leader is is, is the same. Now, the the tactics that that I employ as a leader can change depending on the environment that we're in and what my people might be needing from me in the way of leadership at any given time. You know, I think uh, we've been fortunate the last 10 years, the, the economy has been so strong. It's been a relatively, I, I hate to say it, but it's been relatively easy the last 10 years to, to lead organizations such as ours. Of course, there, there are challenges. All of us are digitizing our organizations and trying to move ahead technologically. There's a lot of great work that's been going on, but but it's been an environment where things have been operating relatively smoothly in terms of the, the macroeconomic environment that we've had around us. Uh, now that has changed. You know, in the last uh, couple of years, things are different. There's things happening around us now that are inexplicable. I haven't seen them. I have a degree in economics, and I don't fully understand some of the dynamics that are going on around us economically. And so it's much more of a challenge today to lead in that we've got to help, especially younger employees, for whom if the last 10 years were the first 10 of your professional career, you probably had an impression of what life was going to be like professionally that all of a sudden is different. It is very different now, you know, and so we're having to engage with those employees and help them understand this may be the first bump that you're experiencing professionally, and you will get through this just as I've gotten through the other eight or 10 that I've been through in my career. But extending a hand and helping them through these times and helping them understand this is a growth period. You know, you're going to learn some things here, look for those opportunities, take advantage of them, and then evolve as a, as a leader and uh, prepare yourself for what's coming. And so the, the tactics are different, and what we do as leaders are different. But I think the common denominator is you always care about your people no matter what's going on around you. 
Tony, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten during your career? Uh, it, it's it's about the people. You know, my, my former CEO came in my office before he retired, and he, uh, he, he told me that I had to work on some things if I wanted to be considered by the board uh, for this role. And he gave me a long list, but number one was, uh, with all due respect to you and to accounting and to finance, you know, you think that numbers are really driving success of this organization and you're dead wrong. It's about people. And quite frankly, Tony, you stink at people. You're bad at relationships. He said, that's the bad news. And the good news is I'm going to hang out here with you a few more years before I retire. And if you'll let me, I will show you the impact of relationships with people on a business like this. And so that man loved me enough to give me the bad news, but also loved me enough to extend a hand and, and mentor and coach me to where I was successful in uh, in attaining the role. But uh, something that today just seems so natural, so routine, and everything that we do here back then was anything but that until that man opened up my eyes to it. And so that never underestimate the value of someone who loves you and is willing to coach you. And now if the roles were, were flipped and, and you had to offer advice to somebody who wants to step up into that kind of leadership, into more of a leadership role, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, the very same advice. <laughs> that, that hasn't changed. You know, sometimes when we're new as leaders, we immediately set out to prove to whomever hired us that they made a great decision. You know, we, we start, out, start doing things and changing things and everything to prove something to them. And the focus when we do that is on us, really. It's just to prove to everybody that, I'm good at what you hired me to do. And so when we promote people, that's usually the first conversation I have with them is, uh, please don't do anything. <laughs> please don't change anything. Don't don't set out to prove to me that I made a great decision in promoting you. I already know that. And so don't waste any time or effort there. Just, just get to know your people. Stop, meet with them, get to know them as individuals, ask them what needs to be done, what improvements need to be made, how you can be helpful. And then given time, you will make decisions that will lead to great things, the contributions that you can make and generating the lift that you're trying to generate. But uh, it's not about you. (laughs) Meet with your folks and they will show you the way. And if you can get them to calm down a little bit and take time to do that, they usually end up in a good place. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. 